kings and queens and in-between sinner saints, and I don't know if I is or I ain't. Welcome to another adorable episode of Yes, Jesus! I'm Danny Franzese, and as always, I'm here with... Azariah Southworth. Get yourself comfortable, pull up some of them pew-pew-pews, and enjoy yourself, because today's theme is, Won't Anyone Think of the Children? (laughs) (laughs) So, come enjoy, because here at Yes, Jesus, we believe that... Jesus loves the little children, all the little children of the world, and LGBTQ youth are going to change the world. Can I get a Whitney? I mean a witness. (laughs) Um, That's right. (laughs) And now it's time for... (laughs) This one comes to us from The Advocate. Uh, Bethany Christian Services is the nation's largest evangelical provider of adoption and foster care services in the nation. I know where you think this is going. Yeah. You're thinking, yeah, yeah this you're thinking, doesn't sound good. Right. That they're going to file a lawsuit to make sure you know, we don't ever adopt a child to the gays. Yeah. Is that where this is going? Actually, I don't know. No. You tell me. It's not. It's not. Here, read it. So, Bethany, <laughs> Bethany <laughs> announced it will serve same sex couples and other LGBTQ plus parents effective immediately. Woo! Good news. Good news. Chris Paluski, the organization's president and CEO, said in an email, we will now offer services with the love and compassion of Jesus to many types of families who exist in our world today. We're taking an all-hands-on-deck approach where all are welcome. Wow! That's so cool! In addition to placing children with adoptive or foster parents, Bethany provides refugee resettlement and other child welfare services. It also has offices in more than a dozen countries and 32 states in the U.S. So that's great news. That is awesome news. I mean, for a second there, I thought it was going to be a little hairy, but you know what? It's great. The all hands on deck approach. I love that. Um, I think that's the way to do it. Yeah, and it's the biblical way to do it as well. So I'm glad that Bethany Christian Services, the largest evangelical provider of adoption, is stepping up and saying, we're going to do the right thing. You know, like I have... you know, we didn't pray for exactly them, but we've been praying for stuff like that. So that is a praise report in itself. It really is. Uh, But but we are going to go right to the part where we do our praise report and our prayer request. This is where if you have to to thank God something about a little bit extra, like... Like that awesome thing that happened with uh, with Bethany Christian Services, uh, then this is the place to do it. Or if you have a prayer request and you have to ask for something, uh, we will ask with you. And uh, we're going to go right into it because we have a prayer request from Jeff. Hey there, hope you're doing well. This is weird for me as I'm not the type to make prayer requests. It's just that this past year has been a lot. My first full year of living in New York City has been the most. I had COVID like so many others, lost so much like so many others. I was diagnosed HIV positive in the fall of 2020, and I'm still not dealing with it well. I'm in therapy. I'm working on housing, which is a harrowing ordeal, taking meds reluctantly. It's still a lot to handle alone. There are literally millions of gay men in the city going through the same thing. We never talk about it. Anyway, I guess what I need is some friggin' peace about this whole thing. It is sobering not to be in control of my situation for the first time ever. Progress with Hasa would be nice, but peace and acceptance are what's most important right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff, I feel you. You know, a lot of us can feel alone. Uh, even when we have people close to us, sometimes we don't want to share everything that's going on in our life. And I think that you taking the step to share this 
uh, prayer request and seeking prayer is the absolute best thing that you can start right now with doing. Um, a lot of this is out of your control at this point, and some of it's in your control. Uh, definitely take your meds, for instance. Um, I think that staying on track of the things that you are in control of and, and keeping prayer for the strength, I mean, literally the serenity prayer, is something that you can always fall back on, and you have us. Yeah, we're praying for you and sending that peace and acceptance your way, Jeff. All right, we have a praise report from Audrey. Audrey wants to give praise for all the businesses that are returning to Minneapolis. Following the unrest after the Floyd murder, Audrey writes here, We live in the neighborhood now, so it is especially praiseworthy, and a large apartment building half-built that burned to the ground is more than halfway rebuilt, and it is critical to the community as it will have affordable housing. So we say amen to that. Good for Minneapolis and those businesses returning, and for affordable housing. Wow, it's good to hear some progress being made in that arena. Um, we're going to take a little break, and when we get back, we'll be back with the scripture of the day, so stay tuned. I got some good news for you, Azzy. It's the scripture of the day. Scripture of the day. Oh, oh, oh. Scripture of the day. It's soul food. That's right. And the scripture of the day. What is it, Azariah? First Timothy 4.12. Let no one despise your youth, but set the believers as an example in speech and conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. I'm living. Um, when did you realize that you might be gay? Oh, when I was making out with my friend at five years old. <laughs> okay, that might have been a clue. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have I, the language for it, but I knew what I wanted at that point. I had a lot of might be gays. Like when I look back, I had a lot of crushes on people who I thought were cool or best friends, or and I could see them as being like uh, full crushes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, were there any churchy adults that you could turn to for help in understanding who you were? I don't know. Not if that I had that. No. Yeah, I didn't really have that. I no. Um, sometimes if I brought up stuff like, I mean, maybe relatives were kind of cool. I don't know. My mom, mm. uh, my mom was pretty affirming, uh, but I think it was just not um, ideal. Yeah, our sexual orientation or gender identity often isn't something that we figure out as adults, um, even if it takes us until we are adults to learn the words that describe us adequately. We know how to feel when we're children or youth, but for so long, our culture and our churches didn't let us talk about LGBTQ people or the fact that we're feeling different. Or Yeah, and that's a little bit different these days, but young people are coming out sooner we uh, maybe they know exactly what they are, but often they are just more open about their discernment process. What would it be like if we had a pastor or a youth minister that was open and accepting and helped us grow? How much different would our lives have been if we could have been open in church about our sexual orientation? Yeah. Our freaking Deacon Ross Murray has been running an LGBTQ youth ministry called The Naming Project. He's been working on the spiritual growth and development of LGBTQ youth, and the program has grown from a weekly meeting in a church basement to a week-long camp for youth from all over the country. 
Right. And now Ross and the Naming Project are trying to help other pastors and youth ministers effectively do ministry with LGBTQ youth. Ross has written a book titled Made Known Loved, Developing LGBTQ Inclusive Youth Ministry. Maybe you've heard us promote the book. That's because we're so excited that this resource is coming out into the world. Now, let's talk a little more with Ross about uh, what he's learned from the Naming Project and some of the best practices for LGBTQ youth ministry. Hey, Ross. Hey there, fellas. Hi. So, Ross. My favorite topic, LGBTQ youth ministry. I'm a nerd about this stuff. And you're good at it. And it's something that's been a passion of yours and something you've been doing for how long now? Uh, the first, oh, this has almost been 20 years. Uh, wow. the first camp was in 2014, but we were running that church basement program for about a year and a half before then. Okay. Now, Ross, there's been long debates about the place of LGBTQ people in the life of the church, and it feels like we've been fighting about queer Christians forever, but our debates haven't really talked about the reality of LGBTQ youth. No, no, we haven't. When, when I, when I was uh, working in LGBTQ advocacy in the Lutheran church, all of the fights were about things that were really adult issues. It was about ordination or um, marriage equality. And those are all really important stuff. But when you're 14 and just thinking about, you know, how you get through your school day without getting bullied, or if I come out, does that mean I'm going to lose my family or my friends or my church? Those are completely different needs. And so while we kept debating, you know, the reality of marriage, equality and ordination and, and, and all this stuff, in some ways, we just needed young people to know that, that God knows them and loves them. That's, that's where Made Known Love came from. Yeah. And the assumption has been that churches are exclusive places, meaning even if you have an accepting church, you may not know it until you've tested it out. And that's scary. Yeah. Yeah. Roz, Roz you've been doing LGBT youth ministry for, for 20 years, and you've probably gotten a lot of questions about how others should do it. What's the most common question you get asked? Yes, we we get a ton of questions. In fact, part of the reason why this book even exists or like why, but I frame the book around questions that we often get asked. And the the first and the most common question is, how do you do sleeping arrangements? This is what people like oh jump to instantly first. Um, Whenever it comes to queer people, everyone always wants to talk about the bedroom. It's like the first thing everyone's worried about. And one of the first, I mean, this is the parents of one of our campers. And they, and they said it this way. They said, um, you know, at a normal camp, you're trying to keep the boys away from the girls' cabin and the girls away from the boys' cabin. What are you <laughs> going to do at your place? Um, and, and this is the parent of someone who sent their child um, to, to our camp. And, and, and even when we talk to like other pastors or youth ministers, you know, people are doing camps or uh, youth trips or stuff like that. They always ask us that question too. I'll sort of like hint at it and not give them the answer. And then someone's like, well, but really, how do you do the housing arrangements? And, and what's really hard is that this is like a, it depends situation. Um, there's a couple of things. One, you're kind of at mercy of the architecture, right? Um, a hotel room is different than a cabins in a camp. And that's different than like a lock-in where everyone's all together on the floor of a church basement anyway. Um, and they all kind of have different pros and cons about them, about how they're going to work. Um, and so you're kind of at mercy of that. And then two, what is the makeup of your youth group? It, like you don't want to put the one queer kid in a room by themselves, isolated from everyone else. Mm -hmm. um, you probably don't want to put them with like strangers that don't know or trust them. 
um, you know, if you've got if, if you've got one queer kid, if you've got like a dozen, that makes a huge difference. And so it's always like this, it depends, but you can answer those questions. Like how do we do it? The logistics stuff, as I say, um, if you can think about values first um, and think about what is really important to you, what's important to your youth ministry, what's important to your church. And then it sees LGBTQ youth less as like a problem to be solved, like a puzzle piece, but actually full human beings with feelings and relationships. And our values will inform any decisions we make about how we actually like practically run a program. LGBTQ youth need to be safe in order to grow as healthy queer adults. So what is your first priority um, when it comes to the safety of youth? I think thinking of the safety of the youth is the most important thing. Um, And what's interesting is because we're a queer youth ministry, we kind of know we're going to be under scrutiny all the time. And that makes us be like extra careful, but all the stuff that we're doing to be extra careful are things that I think every church should do for their, for the youth leaders. Like this is, we, we, we do background checks um, on anyone's volunteering with us. We do multiple interviews. We make them do an application um, and fill out um, as much information as we can get about the adult leaders that are working with young people. And we, keep that on a file um, so that we have as much information. And then we train them. Um, We talked about the program, also about stuff like mandated reporting and all this. These are all things that I think every church, every youth ministry should be doing. Um, But I don't think they do because they kind of, they've only thought about this when it's LGBTQ people. And that's put a lot of young people at risk. And so I think it also means that we end up treating our youth much more equitably. Um, and instead of, you know, doing things like policing gender roles or putting extra scrutiny on someone because they're queer, um, it actually means that we can lift up all of our youth equally to success. The mere fact of knowing or at least assuming that LGBTQ youth are in your church can sometimes make you do a little internal audit of how you operate. What sort of things would someone change if they know that there is an LGBTQ youth listening? Okay, I have a little list. And let me know what you think of some of this stuff too. So, I mean, this is the biggest one. The, it is the condemnation that people just jump to right away in scripture. Um, once you know you have somebody listening, your, your attitude and perspective on it changes a little bit too. Like people don't jump to Leviticus right away when they know there's someone there that like, oh, this actually like could be me. I'm talking about you. Um, the other big one, I think that queer youth being a part of the youth group is gendered language in our songs um because christian music is really 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 gendered there's a lot of god father king oh it's so true i didn't even think about that yeah so like you know my joke for a long time was like god's got a penis is going to be like one of those church songs that i'm going to write at some point (laughs) (laughs) oh the lord's got a penis Copyright. Yes, Jesus. 2021. Um, yeah, the, the gendered language in songs shows up all the time. And all the songs I grew up with, I'm, I'm like, I sing the same camp songs that I sang when I was like a fourth grader still, because that's what I know. And I go back and but as soon as I start singing, I start hearing like, oh, this sounds different. This is this doesn't sound the same way that it did when I was like, in a in the fourth grade. So, so then what do we do about that? So when we're at the camp, we did a couple of different things. One, um, there's just some songs we don't sing because there's, and there's new ones that we learn all the time because there are some good traditions that have created inclusive songs that just weren't part of my tradition. So I'm learning more. The other thing I do is I say, listen, 
there's a lot of gendered language, especially for God and for people. And if what I'm going to do when I'm singing is I'm going to swap out the pronouns constantly. Um, and I'm going to say, God, he is great. She is wonderful. They are beautiful. That's not an actual song, but, um, you know, and I'm, I'm just going to swap it. And I have no rhyme or reason. It's like whatever pronoun sort of pops into my head in the moment I sing, which means the campers aren't singing the same thing that I am. And you know what? It's fine. It's a camp song. We're like screaming around a campfire. So it really doesn't matter. Um, the other big thing I would say is that we could write new songs. Like if someone has songwriting ability and I try to get, I try to get our campers to do that. It's like, if you're a songwriter, write something we can, we can use. Um, when I was way back being a camper, I wrote a song with a friend called Frip Prop, like on a dare. And that's been kind of like, Oh, I can write a song. It's a stupid song. Um, but, and it's repetitive and you just say the same words over and over again. But like, Oh, that's a way of getting away from that gender piece. So like, gendered songs that you're thinking of in your head i mean i it's everywhere i mean every love song we have to deal with everything is not made for us so the fact that you would uh think about you know uh changing something you know um i think is just showing how inclusive you really are um one of the other ones is what to ask for in a registration form like we ask for a ton of information but we don't ask for their sexual orientation um and we we do say gender but we write it with a blank behind it and then they can kind of write in whatever they want. Um, and we kind of take all that information because we still, we have to do housing, right? Like, and how do you get someone that's going to be comfortable and how do we, and, and that's kind of how we work it out um, kind of based on what they write and say about themselves. But like, do I need to know your sexual orientation? Do I need to know um, that you're transgender if you don't want to put on the form? Probably not. It really isn't going to impact me. And it's, I've realized like those are ways that I, things that I can change. Um, and then I think the other thing that we've discovered on this podcast too, is that there's a lot of Bible stories that are really queer, at least like queer people can relate to them. And it's really different when you hear someone that actually says like, Oh, Joseph in Genesis sounds like me or Dave and Jonathan sounds like me and my first boyfriend or, or something like that, where they can like, actually hear oh, that's themselves. so cool i would have loved that growing up i mean it's a lot like our big bible stories letting lgbtq youth find themselves in scripture it's what we needed yeah now ross in your book made known love do you provide this information to the ministers that are needing it because this is really kind of a, a toolkit for youth ministers on how to minister to lgbtq youth right so some of these things that you're talking about how you deal with registration is are these some of the topics that you cover in your book yeah, yeah. So the the book is framed a bit, or like I said, it's framed around the questions that we we get asked, and it is stuff like, "What information do I need to know in our registration form? Um, what uh, you know? What how how is this going to impact Bible study? Even like, and what about like, what do we do about gendered songs in um, in all the songs that we used to sing? And so like answering some of these questions, and part of it is all this is based on us having to figure this out, kind of like in the moment. So mm -hmm. um, that's what I want to give other people. The, the book is a little bit like the message is don't make the same mistakes we did. Like mm -hmm. we stumbled into, we created the naming project when there was nothing else like that. No LGBTQ yeah. inclusive youth ministry. And so we just kind of figured it out and we made mistakes and we like fixed and correct and, 
and change things. So I decided to write all that process down of like, well, we tried this and this is why it didn't work. And we tried this and then this is what made it work better. And then other folks can kind of read that and say, okay, that makes sense for my setting or I could do that or I could try that. So sometimes it's really directive, but sometimes I sort of like do that frustrating, like I'm just going to like give you some values. and I'm going to step back and let you figure out what that means for you by yourself. Mm -hmm. What do you, so this book talks to ministers about how they can minister to LGBTQ youth in their church, but what about the LGBTQ youth that are no longer coming to church, you know, because of the rejection? How would you recommend for ministers to reach out to them? I sort of ended the book with this. And part of this, I, I mean, you all know this, like, so I, my day job is at GLAAD, the LGBTQ advocacy organization. So I sort of like veered into advocacy, um, kind of when I got to the end of the book, which was how do we, you know, what happened, not all the LGBTQ youth are going to go to your church and some are going to be in your community and never step inside the building. Um, how do you make sure that you show up for them? How do you make sure that people know your church is a welcoming place, even if they're not going to take advantage of it? And then, and then really getting into what if your church started showing up at places where um, LGBTQ uh, youth are under attack? What if we started showing up in things like... Um, like, uh, yeah, Poland or uh, city council meetings or there state too. legislatures um, and start to say, I'm the pastor of XYZ Baptist Church and I don't want a law that's going to attack our kids um, like this because it violates my faith, right? Um, and, and, and to say, I've been working with LGBTQ young people for years. Here's what I've learned and this is what I've grown and why I think that we need to protect them more. I think we got to be that like faithful present and also a trusted presence yeah a lot is at stake for the lgbt community youth these days it feels like there's thousands of bills and they're all taking aim at young lgbtq people especially young transgender people right now while we are recording this there are 334 bills in the u.s state legislators in 2021 121 targets to the lgbt community and most of them are targeting transgender youth high school athletics, punishing doctors and parents who support transgender youth, horrible things. Yeah, yeah. I think right now our presence as, as caring adult youth ministry people is to actually show up in support of these youth that are being attacked right now because the laws are clearly trying to isolate them, um, separate them from their friends and their peers. You can't participate in sports with them. To separate them from adults who do care and support like doctors and parents and honestly, if these bills do it to them, why wouldn't they start to go after youth ministers that are also trying to be loving and supportive and caring? How do we do that, Ross? How do we speak out as adults who care about LGBTQ young people? I think we lead, we lead with our faith. Um, we lead with what we learn through scripture um, and prayer and experience with, with young people. We make sure that individually they know that we want to be their allies. And then I think we start showing up in public places more and more, not just like pride where it's like a celebration, but also the places where it's harder to show up. I think that is the city legislatures, the school board meetings, the state legislatures and go on behalf of your church. I even, I end the book with, you can make this a youth group outing. You could do lobby day by doing a Bible study about one of, you know, whatever the topic is. You can spend time making signs that use scripture passages. You can um, prepare the youth to like be at this event and make it a church-sponsored activity to go to a rally or a lobby at your state capitol and, and make sure people know that you're from XYZ Baptist Church, um, where your church 
you know, shirts, the matching thing that they all wear or hats or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and make sure that people see that these are like Christians at the Capitol standing up for LGBTQ people, because if we don't, if, if we don't bring our faith there, someone else will, and that will tell our story mm. for us. And it's probably not the story we want told. I liked the words that you used earlier when I asked, how can ministers show up for the youth that are not uh, there present in their church? And you said to be steady and faithful, and that is a perfect example of how ministers can be steady and faithful. Um, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh, a, a, a Zen Buddhist master, um, says that your presence is the greatest gift you can give someone. And so, by being steady and faithful with your presence— how can you not see God in that? How can, you know, especially when it comes to showing your support for, uh, for your humanity, you know, and, and being there in the times of need. So, I think that's beautiful and um, wise words there. So, um, but our churches are doing LGBTQ youth ministry when we speak out against bills like this. So, um, continue to speak out um, in, in, you know, against these uh, these bills that are targeting transgender youth and in favor of uh, bans on conversion therapy uh, for minors uh, and for anti-bully measures. Yes, thank you so much, Ross, for all you do here and for all you're doing in the world. Uh, we love you. Yeah. Um, and thank you guys for listening to Yash Jesus, our tithe love offering charity act of good, Azzy. Is to check out the naming project and consider referring, registering an LGBTQ teenager you know in the program. Yes, we are uh, jumping in here to say our last year, we sort of changed things up for COVID. And I think we are deciding that we've got, a, we, we, no one wants to put their kids on a plane yet. So we're probably going to do something a little more virtual looking. It's going to look different, um, mm -hmm. but we are planning to do something. And, I, and I'm excited for what that's going to be. And that should allow a lot more people to get involved. So check out madeknownlove.org to find out about Ross's new book. Uh, Ross, do you want to take us out in the closing prayer? God, we thank you for this time of church and prayer and discernment and community that we have built um, and for the listeners that are here with us. We are praying for LGBTQ young people, for LGBTQ youth who are living their lives, sometimes being fully supported and loved and sometimes under attack. Uh, let us who are adults be allies, um, be defenses, be advocates for these young people. Uh, and let us be the youth ministry folks that we wish we had as kids. Pray also for Bethany Christian Services. Um, they are making the right decision, but it is a hard decision to make, and they are probably going to face some pretty nasty opposition. They are also doing children and youth ministry, and we pray for them that they continue to be faithful and to uh, find ways to learn more about the LGBTQ community, trust the LGBTQ community, and be in ministry with the LGBTQ community. And Lord, we'd like to lift up Jeff. We lift that he hope he finds some peace right now and some clarity with all the things that he's going through. Um, we we just appreciate and lift up the fact that he did reach out to us, and we are including him in this prayer. So he's on. He's looking. He's reaching up as far as he can. And Lord, we need you to reach down the rest of the way. Um, we'd also like to lift up the businesses that are opening back up in Minneapolis. I think that is so wonderful and so great. And Lord, we just want to bless and thank Ross once again uh, for all that he does and and lift him up in his mission and uh, with his new main known 
loved.org book, please. Everyone go check that out. Thank you. Amen. Ross, we love you. Yes. We love we you so much. Thank you so much. And thank and thank all of you for listening to another episode of Yash Jesus. You can find us on social media at Yash Jesus Pod or on our website at YashJesusPod.com. You can now leave an audio prayer request or praise report on our website. So why haven't you, girl? At YashJesusPod.com. We would love to share your voice and your prayers on the show. So drop us a line or send us a recording on YashJesusPod.com. Send us your praise reports, your prayer requests, episode ideas, guest ideas, or even just a, hey kid, you're a sweet kid, we'd love to hear from you. Yash Jesus is hosted by me, Danny Franzese, and... Azariah Southworth. Music, sound, editing, and all things audio are done by Chris Heckman. Our show is produced by the freaking deacon, Ross Murray. Special Yay, Ross! to Sophie Serrano and Meredith Polly. Yash Jesus is brought to you by Oddity. Oddity execs are Ryan Lochner, Jessica Bustillos, and Steve Michaels. Keep praising the Lord, y'all! <laughs>